by the powers vested in me by the Federal Communications Commission, I command you to get on the microphone in a serious manner and continue this broadcast. Welcome to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill. Sitting at my side is Matt Butler at the news desk. Yeah, they led me back. <laughs> well. they, they had they had a shock fence around the newsroom yeah, for a while yeah. to keep me out, but I'm back. We used to have an invisible fence sponsor that would have been great. You know, they just heard time you come in. Oh, look at that. Kevin well, Deers is running the board tonight. Yeah. It's a, it's a men's club in here tonight, gentlemen. Yeah. You know what that means, don't you? Two drink minimum. Light beers. Yeah, keep at least six feet away from the dancers at all times. Nachos. We want to make you go. Oh. It's funny. We were talking. This, I was on with uh, oh, G. Scott this morning. I got to sit in for Ursula today. It was amazing to me that after Super Bowl Sunday, the only person who had the day off was the only woman in the show. I thought that was, we, we've come a long way, baby. Way to make the men get their asses into work and work it after a Super Bowl hangover. Um <laughs> Yeah, welcome to Super Bowl Monday, a day that should be a holiday, I think. You know, national holidays are so funny. We've got so many, um, and and not religious holidays. I, I, I am envious of all my friends who have numerous religious holidays. My religion doesn't offer many holidays. I think Easter is a religious holiday. I'm not sure what bunnies and chocolate have to do with the rising of Christ after the crucifixion, but I, I, I'm not a real biblical kind of guy. You know, I'm not a biblical scholar. Um, something to do with the, the the hole that the bunnies go down or something. I don't know. It's three days later. If you can't find the eggs, you shouldn't eat it because it's bad to leave a hard-boiled egg out for three days. I know that, that's all The I Reverend know. Spike O'Neill, ladies yes, and gentlemen. praise him with great praise. Um that's you know this is the most unproductive day of the year. There have been studies done, there have been numerous polls and surveys done about people who either don't go into work today or go into work today and a little too much fun last night or a little too much a little too much uh guacamole and tequila or you know it tastes great less filling whatever you're into on Super Bowl Sunday. I hope you guys had an enjoyable day of all that America has to offer. You know, a brutality as a, as an entertaining sport, gluttony as a uh, as a social pastime. Uh, by the way, crass commercialism. Crass commercialism. Oh, Madison Avenue had a parade at our uh, you know at our expense yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk. You know, it's it's funny. A lot of people think that you pointed out last week, Matt, that maybe half the people who watch the Super Bowl are doing so against their not their will, but against their wishes. They'd rather be anywhere else. Right. Like they are not, as we would say in this business, a P1, a P1 yes. for the NFL. It's prime fan, prime viewer, prime listener. Most of the folks dragged to Super Bowl parties just want to socialize, see their friends. You know, it's a great time to strap the old feed bag on, make a nice nice up spread of, of hors d'oeuvres and tasties and barbecue. And I couldn't tell you how many people I saw yesterday on social media with the food porn. I'm a big fan of the food porn, by the way. Strap the feed bag food porn. Yeah. It's a great fun. I, I told like you. this. It's a this guy's show. I told you. It's a, it's a, it's a gentleman's club tonight here. <laughs> poor Catherine Stone is <laughs> When did the gentlemen arrive? Uh, they'll be here later. Uh, poor Catherine Stone is, is in the Cairo newsroom working on a story diligently, and she keeps just giving me this total side eye, stink eye. Shooting daggers. Just, I know. But God love. She works hard, <laughs> Catherine Stone. Works very, very hard. Tremendously talented reporter here at the Cairo newsroom. Um, let's talk a bit about the game. 
because the game may have may have been it was almost the most one of the most well, almost the most entertaining Super Bowl of all time. You had two teams. I, I saw this stat um, pregame where both the Eagles and the Chiefs had put together sixteen and three records, earned the number one seed, and I'm going to try to remember. I think both had scored five hundred and sixty four points this season. I mean, it was it was so even. These two teams were so evenly pitted. There was no true underdog. The the points were was like a, a point and a half that the Chiefs were were underdogs to the Eagles. And the over, I think, was like 50 points, which was ridiculously low. Maybe the easiest bet of all time was the over-under on the, on the sports betting of the Super Bowl. And the game lived up to its hype. I mean, the Eagles, who have, by all accounts, the most complete team of anybody in the NFL, despite the even the statistical you know, rankings of the two squads for all they'd accomplished during the season. The Eagles, by everybody's account, had the number one offense and the number one defense, and they were, you know, they were a team that was picked to win. The one-and-a-half-point spread was surprising to me because the Eagles were so dominant all year long. And at the end of the first half, the Eagles were up 24-14, but that's because the the Chiefs had got the benefit of a, a fumble recovery touchdown. They call it scoop and score, right? So the chief offense, which was, you know, had the MVP, the freshly minted second-time league MVP in Patrick Mahomes, had only scored one touchdown. And the Eagles were, were scoring at will. There was 24 points in the first half alone. They were on a, on a track to just, you know, blow this game apart. And then Mahomes got hurt at the end of the first half. I don't know if, it was, I don't know if you watched it, Matt, or if, if Kevin, if you watched it. Patrick Mahomes gets, uh, gets tackled at the end of the first half, and he's already got a high ankle sprain he suffered in the AFC Championship game. And I mean, his you know, hobbling to the sideline and the way they were treating him on the sideline, the cameras were all over him. It's one thing about Super Bowl Sunday. There was at least 9,000 cameras working at any one, any one moment. You can, you can see every play from every conceivable angle. How they ever get a call wrong in a Super Bowl is, is beyond me. I don't think they ever will again. I think they got them all right yesterday. We'll talk about that in a minute. So you go into halftime at the Super Bowl, and the Eagles are just doing whatever they want to to the Chiefs. And Mahomes is on the side and looked like somebody ripped his foot off. His ankle was so bad. The prospects for the second half we got were, I, I couldn't imagine that in a million years. And the Chiefs came out and just owned it in the second half. They outscored the Eagles, I think, 24 to, no, 20, was it 30? Yeah, 24 to 11 in the second half. They allowed, you know, a touchdown and a field goal in the second half to this this high-flying Eagle offense. Fly, Eagles, fly. And meanwhile, the Philadelphia defense, which is the number one in the league, couldn't stop the Chiefs on one drive. They scored every time they had the ball in the second half. They scored three touchdowns and a field goal. A field goal that won the game. I mean, I, I could not believe how the game just completely flipped at halftime. And that's all credit to the Chiefs coaching staff. I don't know what they said in the locker room or what they did in the locker room to change their their game plan. You know, I've heard it said that the hardest thing to do in sports isn't hitting a baseball. It's going in at halftime in the Super Bowl when you're losing and you have to change everything you've done to get to that point. You have to scrap your entire plan and come up with a new way to win the biggest game of the year. That's the hardest thing to do and the Chiefs did it. I don't know if it was coaching. I don't know if it was guidance. I don't know if it was Patrick Mahomes just, you know, stepping up. 
And it's not like the Eagles' offense didn't play well. Uh, Jalen Hurst, who you know, quarterback for the Eagles, had a phenomenal game. He had a record-setting game. He completed 80% of his passes, the fourth greatest completion percentage in all of Super Bowl history. He's the first player to score three rush. Or he tied a record with three rushing touchdowns yesterday in the Super Bowl, a, a record that had been held by a tailback, Terrell Davis of the Broncos. He did it as a running quarterback, and he threw for over 300 yards and a touchdown with no interceptions. He had the one fumble on a sack, a strip sack fumble, that led to the, the Chiefs uh, with the seven-point scoop and score. Which, which, by the way, was their only sack of the day, I think. It, was, it might have been one more when he, he ran for a one-yard loss, I think. But I don't think Mahomes was sacked once during the game. The texters could tell me if I'm wrong about that, but I don't think. Oh, <laughs> a texter says, it's what Vegas said in the locker room. You know, we'll talk about the officiating in a minute. I promise you I will. We'll talk about the officiating of the Super Bowl. Because I was on with G this morning, and Mike Salt came on, and I think those guys really summed it up best. That the 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 call at the end of the game, there are games that are just horribly officiated. We see it all the time in the NFL. We usually see it in the we see some terrible calls in the postseason. I remember a couple of years ago when the Rams were playing the Saints in New Orleans, and this Ram defensive back just ran over a wide receiver with no call, and the Rams went on the. To, to go to the Super Bowl and win. And, oh, that, that might have been the game they lost. That was the, that was the time they lost the Super Bowl. It was a couple years ago against the – that's right. They lost that Super Bowl. There was a play at the end of Super Bowl 47 between the 49ers and the Ravens where a defensive back clearly interfered with Michael Crabtree and the Niners, but no call was made because they, you know people say you don't want the referees to decide the game. And in yesterday's game between the Eagles and Chiefs, it's it's safe to say that until that last call, until that last call, the referees really had not dictated the outcome of the game. There were a couple of plays that they looked at and, and reversed and got right. The the first score of the game, they they had ruled a touchdown, went back and looked at it. Clearly, he was down by a couple of inches before the goal line. They got it right. Another play was a a catch and then an immediate hit and a pickup, a fumble and a run for a touchdown. They looked at it again. He hadn't completed like a third foot down, a football move, whatever the definition of catches are these days. Who the hell knows anymore? But I felt like they got it right. Then they looked at the play on the sideline for the Eagles. The wide receiver, you know, caught the or his tight end, caught the ball going out of bounds. It was a bang-bang play. They looked like they got it right. They, the officials really had let them play physical. They got the calls right to the course of the day. And then when the game really mattered, on third and eight, uh, you know, at, from in the shadow of the, of the end zone, and the Chiefs were looking at, you know, kicking the field goal that would give them the lead with a minute and a half left, minute 50 left, I think it was at the time, they make this holding call, which was ticky-tack is a, is a fair way to describe it. It was a penalty. Even the defensive back that got called for the penalty said, yes, I held him a little bit. And there's plays like that that you don't want to dictate the outcome of the game. And that play, that call by the officials really did dictate the outcome of the game. Because if if the Chiefs kicked the field goal, which was no f- foregone conclusion, by the way, they already missed one on the day. If the Chiefs managed to kick that field goal, the, the Eagles got 90 seconds left to come down and see what they can do. Jalen Hurst had had a phenomenal game, record-setting game, as I mentioned. Giving him 90 seconds and a timeout, could they have come down the field and either tied with another field goal or even taken gotten the win? We'll never know as fans because of that play, because of that call. 
and we had this debate this morning on the air with with my, I think Mike Salk knows sports. The guy the guy runs our you know seven ten Seattle sports. He's it's his station. He's on with Salk. Where excuse me, he's on with with Brock Heward. They do a great show. And the guy knows what he's talking about. He won't. He, he's not cliche man. He'll tell tell you the truth. He'll hurt your feelings if he has to. He'll tell you the truth. It's like it, he he likened it to getting getting a, a, a ticket for going fifty five in a fifty zone. Yes, you broke the law. Were you hurting anybody? Were you a danger to society? It was that kind of call. It was it was the correct call, but it was it was a shame that they called it. That the officials got to dictate who won the Super Bowl. Because that play allowed the Chiefs to run the clock out, take a knee, you know, kill some time, and kick a field goal with eight seconds left, basically eliminating any chance the Eagles had. We as fans were cheated because of that call. And I, while I can see that point of view and I, and I can agree with the logic of that, I don't know how you if, – if there's a call you would make in the first quarter, I don't know how you don't make it with two minutes left in the game. You know, maybe there's more time to compensate for it, but if it's a, if it's a if it's a strike in the first inning, it's a strike in the bottom of the ninth. You know, a strike is a strike is a strike. A foul is a foul is a foul. Mike was saying there's like a, this understanding that in hockey, especially in the postseason, in the last couple of minutes of a game, referees swallow their whistle. Is the is the terminology? They will not call fouls. They'll let guys just go for it, and that really lends itself to the advantage of the defense. They get to manhandle people. Because they know they're not going to get called. And that may have been the mentality that the Eagles cornerback had when he held the guy and gave him the first down by penalty and cost the, the balance of the game. I just don't know if it's if it's a foul in the beginning of the game, it's a foul at the end of the game. I don't know how how situations should dictate whether or not you make that call. I, I could argue both sides. I really could. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was a fun game to watch. It was an entertaining game to watch. But that... That officiating getting in the way of knowing if the best athletes had the chance to win the game, that we were cheated as fans. That's a, I think that's the best way to say it. We really were cheated as fans. You know, and, and people have opinions on it. I get it. I get it. You know, there's a lot of money being made on gambling. You know, it's funny. We talked about prop bets on Friday night, all the different things you could bet on. It's amazing how close the prop bets came uh, due to, you know, like, for example, one of the bets you could make was uh, I said the, the over under on the time of the national anthem. Right. I said I bet under Chris Stapleton, who did a great job on the national anthem. I said he's country. He's not going to be some virtuoso, you know, vocalist showing off, hitting more notes than he needed to. But he did it kind of bluesy and he kind of laid back with it and he took a minute. You know, he took a, a 106 seconds. The over-under was 95. Remember when I told you I'd take the under? See, that's yeah. why I don't gamble. I'd have lost that one. <laughs> when I said the first touchdown would be scored by a player whose jersey number was 11 and a half or higher, right? First guy scored the touchdown, number 14. I'm a winner. Except they look at it again. He was an inch short. So they go back. Number one scores the first touchdown. It's under 11 and a half. I mean, everything was like, how many field goals be kicked in the game? Under three and a half or over three and a half? Well, three were kicked because one got one doinked the upright. That guy doinked the upright in the Super Bowl. That's how close that bet was. It's amazing. Never doinked the upright. Never doinked the upright, especially in a Super Bowl. Who are you, Norwood? 
Jeez. That's an old reference there for you Bills fans who never won a Super Bowl because Scott Norwood couldn't kick a damn field goal for you. I, I even got the color Gatorade wrong. Right? The Chiefs, a team that's red and yellow. How do you have purple Gatorade for your coach? You got They make red Gatorade? They make yellow Gatorade. Right? How do you have purple? I, I lost that bet too. This is why I don't gamble. I'm telling you. There's, it's a no-win situation. Sports betting is as much for suckers as splitting a pair of tens in Vegas. You know, there's a reason the lights stay on in Vegas. It's because the, the game is rigged for that for them. And I know sports betting was said Friday. You know, you're able to research it and, and know the teams and, and do your homework and give yourself an educated chance. And some guy doinks a field goal for you. You know, or, or a referee makes a phantom call they haven't made all day long. Doesn't matter. People say the fix is in in Vegas and they really wanted Mahomes to win because it was Jalen Hurts' first Super Bowl. You shouldn't come out and see what happens to a guy when he wins his first Super Bowl, Russell Wilson. You don't want a guy to win his first. You want to make him sit on the losing end and learn a little bit. The league knows who they want to win. There's a lot to that, I think. There's a, the conspiracies of the games are fixed. There's a lot to that. The referees, they, they often have too heavy a hand in who wins the game. And it looked like yesterday we were going to get away with letting the teams decide. But no. No. They had to call a dinky hold call. Anyway, I, I, I haven't seen the game yet. I taped it. I don't know who won. Don't tell me. Uh, that's another story. I did tape it yesterday. I didn't see who won until 10.30 last night, and I managed to dodge any news of the game. I'll tell you how when we come back. I got more to talk about. Between the halftime show and I totally, I totally got bump shamed yesterday because Rihanna was pregnant and I mentioned it during the show and my daughter bit my head off. And we'll talk about some of the commercials too. Whether, whether advertising works, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how good they are on Madison Avenue. Be right back after these. Matt Butler's on the news desk and sitting by my side tonight. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being in here. That means Kevin Deers has got the controls. So you can forego any thought of any meaningful or deep or sentimental romantic music for uh, Appreciate it. for Valentine's Day. That's right, buddy. It's a, it's a tough love night here. We got some Marvin Gaye coming up. I guess. <laughs> Let's get it on. Why not? We Let's get, get it on. Yeah, we'll actually get the Jack Black version. Oh, it's, oh I'm so Barry glad. Jive in the Uptown Five. Five. Right, right. Who were they? They, they were the uh, uh, Kathleen Turner Overdrive. But tonight, we're Barry Jive in the Uptown Five. Previously, Sonic Death Monkey. Sonic Death Monkey. Oh, God. I love it. I love it. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Whatever your musical taste, we got you. We got you covered, man. Uh, so if your musical taste did not include... The uh, R&B stylings of Rihanna, is that, would you call her an R&B artist? She's not a hip-hop artist. Yeah, I would say R&B with yeah. some hip-hop collab. Yeah, some hip-hop A lot of pop in there, too. A lot of pop, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Um, and last night, 
Rihanna, not Rihanna, right? Rhiannon is the Stevie Nicks song I was raised on. Rihanna is the, I think she's Jamaican, if I'm not mistaken, right? She is. She's Jamaican, yeah. And she was 15, I believe, when she was uh, first um, discovered. Yeah, and, and discovered by Jay-Z. Jay-Z, yeah. yeah. You know, I'll, I'll give you this trivia. You guys, I know you guys are both, you guys are both so much more musically versed, learned. Let's go. With regard to newer music. Okay. I think if we, if we if we got into the dinosaur racks, I might be able to keep up with you too. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. But the newer stuff, I, I bow my head and, you know, I, I ascend to your knowledge, both of you guys. Um, here's something you didn't know, though. I learned this today. Our own Mickey Gomez. Uh, she was working at a radio station in Phoenix at the time. And during one of the station concerts, she was a onstage master of ceremonies at this concert. The concert was um, Sierra, Mrs. Wilson, right? Sierra was the headliner. And Genuine was the supporting act. Ride it, my pony. Right. The opening act was a scared, silly 16-year-old Rihanna in the first, the first arena show she had ever performed. Wow. And Mickey Gomez was on stage with her to introduce her to the crowd, the crowd that no one had ever heard her before. Rihanna who? Right. And Mickey, Mickey told me today, my jaw hit the floor. Mickey says, you know, she's standing with Rihanna on stage and she's like, are you nervous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaking, physically shaking. He's like, they're gonna love you. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be great. You got this. And talked her up, and introduced her to the crowd. And and the rest is recording freaking history. You're never gonna be anything, kid. Don't give up your day job at the scoop shop. <laughs> Sarah, Mickey told me that I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow. so were you watching last night? She's like, yeah, I kind of lost, I lost touch with her about 2012. You know, when as her star ascended to greatness, you know. And Mickey's, you know, as you move on from the stations that, you, that you're with. But there's a lot of artists like that. That's how artists get their shot. That's how artists get their, their first introduction to the bigs are coming to radio stations and doing interviews. I remember when we were at the classic rock station in town and across the hall was, you know, the kitty station. Um, it was Kiss. I think yeah, Jackie, yeah. Jackie yeah, and Bender yeah. were doing yep. the show at the time. Um, and... They would bring in stars that my kids loved. I mean, loved. I remember, you know. Bieber. Uh, well, I remember Bieber coming through. What wasn't Bieber as a no? No, Bieber wasn't a nobody, though. Because by the time Bieber was doing radio, he was already a TikTok totally. phenom. Yeah, yeah. But like when Hanson came through. Wow. And Mbop. nobody knew who these three boys were with this funny little Mbop song. Right? Or Avril Lavigne. Nobody knew who this kid was. Or uh, this... Little kid Britney, somebody coming through the hallways of, you know, our local hit station. And, you know, that's how, and I was a, my claim to fame for my kids. They didn't want to meet Foghat. They didn't give a rat's patootie about, you know, whomever. Pearl Jam, so. Bad company. Red Hot Chili Learn. Peppers, whatever. You can get me to meet Avril Lavigne. Yeah, but the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I don't care. Allison, who? I want I want to meet Bob. And I want to the hear they so cute. <laughs> you know, seriously, I mean, you know, the Backstreet Boys. What? You know that that gave me cred with my kids. Anyway, so Rihanna plays the Super Bowl halftime show last night, and and just quick sidebar. 
I'm watching with my my younger my youngest child, who's 19 now, and and they're singing along to all the songs. You know, I think I think I heard Rihanna played 12 songs in 13 minutes, right? A medley of all her biggest hits, and. I don't know what was up with the Oompa Loompas dancing around. That's not my speed. I get it. Though it was cord, it was wonderful. You know, it was it was cool. I get it. They're all are they snow marshmallows? Are they snowmen? Are they sperm? What are they up there? I really I, I couldn't tell. I'm old. It's not my it's not my style, but I can appreciate the value. But I tell you, the floating platforms, yeah, that they were on last night at the Super Bowl halftime show. I saw Katy Perry come in on a big chrome lion singing "Roar." Down in Phoenix when the Hawks lost to the Patriots. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking yawn more than roar. She's riding this big chrome glass mirrored lion. I'm watching Rihanna strapped to some floating, it looks like an iPhone, you know, moving up and down on stage like that. And those guys, and they're up in the air 500 feet or whatever, and they're moving and they're, they're dancing while the platforms, that was smooth. That was so well done. And I know that we're we're kind of spoiled for Super Bowl halftime shows. We want an extravaganza. We want a Gaga performance. You know, everything will be measured by Prince, right? As as it should be. Prince is by far and away the greatest Super Bowl halftime show of all time. Prince, and then everybody else. Uh, and I'm, you know, me. I liked you too. I like Bruce. I like the Stones. I liked Aerosmith. Wasn't so crazy about you know. Aerosmith and was it Britney they had on with it? I mean, they kind of did something. And Nelly. And Nelly, yeah, you know. I mean, last after last year's extravaganza of of hip hop artists, that was awesome. Anybody who follows that's going to be, you know, okay. It was nice, but you're going to get it was nice. It was okay, but following last year was that was crazy. They had low riders on the field, man. They had set up like a whole trailer park. It was bomb. How old am I? Um. Anyway. I'm watching the show with my daughter, and I said, I think Rihanna's with child. My daughter's like, what, Dad? You don't say that. I'm like, I'm not asking her when she's due in case she's just chubby. And I just said, hey, wait a minute. I, you know, I, I know they, they were doing all they could do to hide the belly, the baby bump. They had the jacket zipped at the bottom. It kind of opened up, you know. The other was that leather or plastic bustier thing she was wearing, and then the bump right below. You could tell she was with child. So I Googled it. I'm like, yes, yes. Let's get it on. <laughs> I think, you know, her performance was subdued by most accounts of what we're used to for Super Bowl halftime shows. I mean, you know, two years ago, J-Lo and, and uh, what was it, uh, Shakira, they're working the pole like they're at Rick's on Lake City Way. You of would know. I would know. And of course, <laughs> of course, Rihanna wasn't doing that. She's with child. It was nice. It was nice. Although, did she really, did she really kind of touch herself and then smell her fingers? I saw that on social media today. What? I saw. Let's go to the tape. <laughs> I'm. I, I read I'm that not on getting in trouble. Video works so well on radio. I read no, but I read that on social media today that she did this kind of thing where you know and you touch your pad and then you sniff, sniff, sniff. I'm like, what? What? Did I miss? Okay. I, I know if they're wearing red. First off, it's the mark of the devil, and that's all. It's songs for Satan. I get it. I get it. We're all you know. You, you dinosaurs like myself, you know, where's where's classic rock when we need it? Right, guys? Right. Yeah. If I look that up on the computer, I'm getting fired. You can't look it up HR. on a work computer. No. Don't, no, 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 no. Matt will tell you. got to break out the iPhone. You gotta, yeah, use Google your personal did, personal device. Google, did Rihanna smell This isn't Jack, though. This is the Marvin version, it right? It is, it you is. got to find me, Jack Black. you gotta, right. you got to find Barry Jive okay. and the Uptown Five. You can't make promise like that and not deliver. 
Sounds we'll be right good. back after these. It's Kyra Knights, Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler and Kevin Beers. Uh, we're on the verge of being called uh, Kathleen Turner Overdrive. However, this evening we will be Barry Jive and the Uptown Five. Thank you very much, Kevin. Welcome back to Kyra Knights. Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. Kevin Deers on the board. Delivering as promised. My finger was on the dump button. I don't know. Woo! Jack, like, I forget if he throws a little tenacious D in there or not. Nope, so nope, my finger nope. was on the button. I, I think you're safe with that, but thanks for being uh, after my last break. I really appreciate you're keeping our <laughs> license intact. Absolutely. And according to all uh, internet accounts on my phone, not my work computer, um, yes, Rihanna did what they call a scratch and sniff. I, was at, I think that was an album she released during the early 2000s. <laughs> but yeah, apparently it's... Her performance has been described as both boring and risque. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's the world we live in now. It was both boring and risque. It's There's like a so cl- little you can do anymore. Seriously. Well, to- everything's going to tick off somebody or half of everybody, it seems. Right? I mean, no matter what somebody does, half of us are either thrilled or disgusted. I don't know. I think Stapleton's performance was pretty universally mm, acclaimed. Good, good call. I didn't hear a lot of complaints nope. about that. Good, you're right. Good call. Good call. Uh, that was a beautiful rendition. Absolutely beautiful. And I've got a friend named Kenny J, who was our program director at when CBS owned the country station that is now no more. It was KMPS. Kenny J was running KMPS when I was over at the Classic Rock Station across the hall. And he told a story yesterday on social media about being at a bar. Oh, actually, a little little dive restaurant, actually, near the radio station with Chris Stapleton and two people from the record label. And Chris Stapleton, at that point in his career, was a very, very successful songwriter in country music. And he was about to go out as an artist. And Kenny said, man, why are you... You got mailbox money for the rest of your days. Why would you? Why would you bother? You know, putting it out there as an artist because they're so fickle. You know, people are so fickle. Um, why would you do that? And and Keith said, because they both asked me to. The two record label folks. And he I said, okay, good reason. Yeah, good one on you, boy. And what a what a run. What a month of February. Went from playing with Stevie Wonder at the Grammys to playing the national anthem at the Super Bowl with a rendition that most everyone is putting up there. You know, I remember how I mentioned it was Prince and everybody else for the halftime show, right? Yeah. Well, now it's Whitney and Keith, you know, Keith, and then everybody else for the national anthem. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a moment. Good on you. You're right, too. The, half the country didn't hate that. You're right. Thank you. Thanks for finding that that. That uniting front. All it took was a country artist. Did you say Keith? That, what is it? Chris Stable. Chris Stable. I'm sorry. Keith. I don't know country. I think I've called him Kevin. You're calling Keith, him Keith Urban. Chris. Keith Urban. Um, Danny Bonaduce. Keith Bonaducci, Urban's the one married to Nicole you know, uh, Danny Partridge. Keith Partridge. 
Chris Stapleton. I threw this on for the high fidelity reference. Thank you. Do we look like the kind of store that sells? I just called to say I love you. <laughs> Do you even know Go your daughter? <laughs> Do you even know your daughter? Oh, is she dying? God, I love that scene. That movie is why Jack Black got School of Rock. Yep. And, and That's why Jack Black's Jack Black. I, absolutely. Absolutely. High and fidelity. Tenacious D. And Tenacious D. Yep. Kyra Knights will be right back. No summer's high. No warm July. No hot. 